2000 Northwest Christian Education Conference, Refuting Postmodernism, Dr. Phil Fernandez. Put in a word of prayer, so if you uh, bow your heads. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we thank you, Lord, that uh, you are a good God and that you've given us the salvation that we don't deserve and that uh, you guide us throughout our lives and you choose to use us to do your work. Lord, uh, you haven't given us all the details of what the future holds. Uh, but Christian thinkers have alerted us to some of the things immediately around the corner. And I pray that we would not lose heart, but would trust in you and still proclaim your gospel message despite the, the persecution that may be just around the corner. Uh, but I thank you, Lord, that you have given us enough details to know uh, that eventually... Uh, our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus, will take his stand upon the earth and will right the wrongs of this life. And so I just thank you, Lord, that we, we can have hope in a world that, uh, that is hurting and doesn't even know it. Uh, we can see the pain that is there and yet know that the, the ultimate healer, the Lord Jesus, will, recome, will return and remove the curse from the planet earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I'd like to say to start out that I'm very, very, very proud of, uh, of you people that have showed up for this. Uh, this is the first time I'm attempting to give a uh, public talk on postmodernism. And um, the more deep you get, especially with, with new things, you know, it's like the evangelical churches usually into stuff that's 40, 50, 60, 70 years old and sometimes the uh, something new pops on the scene and it's kind of complex and difficult to talk about and um, you know, I, I really thought that we were going to get between 6 and 12 people for this talk so I really, you know, maybe, maybe there's more hope for the evangelical church than I thought coming in here so um, but uh, whatever the case um, how many people have heard the word tolerance mentioned a lot in the news and all over the place and tolerance this, tolerance that? And the traditional view of tolerance, this isn't on your notes by the way, I love handing people notes and then immediately start talking something that's not on the notes at all. It freaks them out. And, uh, but don't throw the notes away, I will get to them. Uh, but the traditional view of tolerance is the idea of freedom of religion freedom to be Christian, the freedom to be Muslim, and to dialogue on it. And we don't have to beat each other over the head with clubs and stuff like that. There's chairs over there. So. Um, so freedom of religion and freedom of speech, just a traditional view of tolerance. Uh, but the new tolerance is the dogmatic beliefs that I'm going to list right now. All religions lead to God. So if you tell someone if you don't accept Jesus as Savior, you'll end up in hell. You're being intolerant. All beliefs are equally true. Just to say Christianity is true and the Islamic faith is false on the salvation issue is viewed as being intolerant. Uh, all behavior is equally acceptable. Another uh, important point in the new tolerance. And then, of course, the new tolerance holds to this that 
if you disagree with the new tolerance, we cannot tolerate you. <laughs> so in the name of tolerance, all of a sudden, the people who cry tolerance the loudest have become some of the most intolerant people in the history of mankind. Now, you know, and it, it, there's a sense where, like Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. So, you know, these guys aren't going to be any more intolerant than, than the pagans during the early days of Christianity. But keep in mind, the technology is a lot more advanced. It's easier to find you. It's easier to find Christians. And it's easier to deal with them in whatever way those in positions of power feel like dealing with you uh, with the technology that we have. So, I mean, it's just like imagine today's technology in the hands of a, a Hitler or a Stalin and then the, the leaders of all the nations on earth in agreement with them. That is just around the corner if, if Western civilization does not repent. Um, now, I'm a premillennialist myself. I believe Jesus will return and literally reign on the planet Earth. So, you know, um, the worse things get, the closer we're, we're getting to the Lord's return. Uh, but whatever the case, things could get pretty ugly if uh, we don't begin to educate people, Christian and non-Christian alike, real quick. Um, but this new tolerance comes from postmodernism. Um, I'm going to pass this around. Hopefully it'll get all the way through everybody. But on the way over, I was taking a ferry from uh, Bremerton, uh, Washington's most beautiful city. And uh, uh, I jotted down some different books you might want to pick up that would give you some more information on postmodernism because there's not a whole lot that I can just kind of whet your appetite. But if you really want to get into it, uh, James Sire's book, The Universe Next Door, published by InterVarsity Press, probably the best place to start, because it's one chapter on postmodernism. Hey, that sounds, a busy guy like me, that sounds great when you get something summed up by a scholar who really understands what's going on, and he sums it up in one chapter. So, uh, uh, 20 minutes, you can read that. When you want, you want an entire book on it, there's a primer on postmodernism by Stanley Grenz. One of the best one-volume overviews of it. But let me say this, and I met Stanley Grenz, and we butt heads down at Multnomah, meeting at Evangelical Theological Society. Uh, a primer on postmodernism by Stanley Grenz. His other books on the topic tend towards heresy. Okay, he's, in order to reach postmodernists, he's throwing out the baby with the bathwater. He's basically uh, changing the gospel message. Now, he doesn't think he is, but scholars like J.P. Moreland, Miller J. Erickson, and Norman Geisler, William Lane Craig, uh, they do think he's going too far, and he's a very dangerous man. He has a very power. he's from Canada, but he has a very powerful ministry with some of the younger Generation X churches in the Seattle area. Stanley Grenz is his name. Um, what's that? Uh, a primer on postmodernism. Uh, the best book that's out there that talks about how different Christians view postmodernism and how they think that different Christians think we should react to it is a book by Miller J. Erickson, one of the leading evangelical uh, theologians. Miller J. Erickson, published by Baker Bookhouse, and it's called Postmodernizing the Faith. I mean, he deals with everybody from Francis Schaeffer to the Stanley Grenzes on how they dealt, dealt or deal with postmodernists. And uh, I agree 
wholeheartedly with Erickson's conclusions. Um, uh, Postmodernism is producing new moral absolutes. And there's a book, The New Absolutes, by William Watkins. If you want to see, you know, the old absolutes, you know, family is one man and one woman with some children, and they're, they've taken an oath, a vow for life. The New Absolutes, uh, any collection of people want to call themselves a family, irrelevant of the sex or whatever. And, uh, but the New Absolutes, when you look at them, it, it gets really scary. I mean, you, well, we'll talk about that. We've gone from God's absolutes in this country and in Western civilization to no absolutes. What's right for you is right for you. doesn't have to be right for me and vice versa. And, oh, you're a Christian. That's good for you. Well, nowadays, we've gone from the stage of no absolutes to new absolutes. If you're a Christian, you are intolerant. You do not adhere to the new absolutes. You get in the way. And when postmodern, postmodernism, by the way, has to give way. It's not going to be here real long. I agree with Oz Guinness. It's only got about a 10-year life expectancy. Reason being, um, it doesn't give us anything. All it, all it does is attack modernism. We'll talk about that. But it's totally negative. It just slams things, and it doesn't offer us anything in return. So eventually, it's got to give way to something else. And what I believe it's going to give way to, and J.P. Moreland seems to agree with me from our dialogues together, um, seems that it's going to give way to uh, uh, kind of an intellectual brand, uh, at least in academic circles, will be an intellectual brand of New Age neo-paganism, uh, though there's still going to be, it's just going to be like, let the people believe the myths, let the little people believe the myths, but the emperor don't have, the emperors don't have to believe the myths, but they can use the myths to enslave the people. Uh, but the New Absolutes by William Watkins, um, which brings up the new moral absolutes of postmodernism. The New Toleration by Josh McDowell and, and Bob Hostetler. They show, this book shows how intolerant the postmodern view of toleration actually is and documents actual cases. And then Francis Schaeffer's trilogy, where it's a, the God who is there, he is there and he is not silent, and Escape from Reason. I don't agree with some of his views on Aquinas, I think he's a little bit too hard on Aquinas. He blames Aquinas for a lot of stuff that Descartes actually did. But that's because Schaefer got it from his teacher, Cornelius Van Til, who when he was on, he was right on. When he was off, he was way out to lunch. But, but Schaefer's overall thesis running throughout those books is dynamite. So it's a collection. His trilogy is a collection of three books by Francis Schaefer that deal with postmodernism before it had been viewed independent of modernism. So he talks about modern man, but he hadn't labeled that stage of modern modernism as postmodernism yet. So he doesn't mention postmodernism, but that's actually what he's attacking. At the very least, he's attacking existentialists. I don't want to get into this, but the last stage of modernistic thought and then it's the gap. Existentialism is the gap between modernism and postmodernism. And uh, but we'll we'll get into that. If I've confused you, um, you got you're in good company. I'm confused right now. So, um, whatever the case, now we'll go to our notes, which says right on the top, postmodernism. It's the uh, white piece of paper. And, uh, okay, 
There's a lot of different ways you can look at the history of Western culture, especially when you're only going to spend about four minutes on it. So, I mean, you can't emphasize everything, but I just want to look at the shift from what we now call pre-modernism. Now, in pre-modern times, we didn't call it pre-modernism because we didn't know modernism was was going to come into existence, but now we can look back and call pre-modernism pre-modernism. Um, but, I mean, we're working everything off of modernism, and I'll explain what modernism is, and hopefully we'll achieve uh, unity of understanding in this room when I get to that point. If not, I've utterly failed in my uh, goal today. Uh, Pre-modernism, you could trace that pretty much from ancient Greece through medieval times up until uh, Rene Descartes, uh, who... Uh, you know, 17th century thinker. Uh, the reason why I include ancient Greece here is because Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle won. Okay? They were arguing with a lot of guys who had some real paganistic, <coughs> pantheistic, pantheism, the idea that God is the universe and God is an impersonal force. Um, there were a lot of Greek thinkers, philosophers who held to those views, but in the end, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle won out, and they believed in moral absolutes. They believed in some kind of rational uh, being, if you will, overseeing. It wasn't, wasn't quite a personal being, but somehow had, had the ability of reason overseeing the order in the universe, that type of thing. Uh, so I did it from uh, ancient Greece through medieval times. There are some widely believed assumptions there. One is that truth is absolute. True is true whether anybody believes in it or not. Okay? You reject the truth, it doesn't make any difference. The truth remains the truth. So truth is absolute. It's universal. It's true for all people at all times and in all places whether you accept it or not. Uh, Number two, truth corresponds to reality. If there's a book on this table saying that there is, if there's a Bible on this table to say there is no Bible on this table is a falsehood. Okay? So the truth corresponds uh, to reality. Aristotle really drove that point home. Uh, number three, human reason is able to find truth. Human reason is able to find truth. What good is truth being out there if through human reason we could never find it? Okay, it'd be like saying there's a pot of gold uh, buried out, out there, but we don't know where, and we're never going to find it. I mean, what good would it be? But human reason was able to find truth, they believed. Uh, number four, the universe made, uh, made sense. The universe made sense. And number five, there was a reality beyond the five senses. Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle were not atheists, and it wasn't because of some kind of uh, uh, ignorance on their part. They had good reasons to believe in some kind of rational being uh, out there. Um, now, the Christian worldview fit very nicely into the pre-modern mindset. Not only did it fit well with it, but it confirmed it. Because with Christianity came the idea of an infinite, personal, rational God who created man in his image, so man is a rational being, 
And that this infinite, rational, personal God created the universe in an orderly or reasonable way so that man, through his reason, the gift of reason that God gave to man, man could find truth in the universe, could find out about the universe. Which would, in fact, that's why modern science was founded by, by Bible believers like Descartes and Pascal and Galileo, uh, Kepler, and the list goes on and on. Uh, problem was, it's really, really weird, but with uh, Christianity was like uh, such an overwhelming gift to mankind to say that, wow, this rational God has given us the rational equipment to really find out about the universe in which we live and solve many of the problems that we have. What happens when you get a gift that you really, really like? What does human nature do? You end up focusing on the gift and you forget all about the gift giver. That's exactly what happened in the history of Western culture. Modernism basically got its start from a, a professing Christian. He was a Roman Catholic named Rene Descartes, scientist, a philosopher, great thinker, born in 1596, died in 1650. He was trying to prove Christianity. So he was trying to be a good guy, but in the process, he ended up creating uh, uh, just a, a Pandora's box of problems for, for Christianity. Uh, basically, at this point, through human reason, because now we had the confidence, because of belief in the Christian God, the God of the Bible, we had all this confidence in human reason, so we thought we could take on anything. And Descartes was not alone when he thought that through human reason alone we could find all truth. Now, a fellow Frenchman and also a Roman Catholic, Blaise Pascal, said, you know, if if Descartes is right, if we can find all truth through reason alone, what need is there for revelation from God? You see, Pascal was predicting that if Descartes' views become popular, and they were, even as Descartes was alive, um, if his views become popular, in the end, mankind's going to throw God out the window as a useless hypothesis. Unnecessary. Because we can find all truth through human reason. We don't need a word from God. Okay? Um, but Descartes tried to prove everything through reason alone. What he did was, he wasn't a skeptic, but he used skepticism. Suspending judgment, questioning everything. He used skepticism as his method through which he would try to find a point of absolute certainty. The reason why he did this, he was a mathematician, okay? Watch out for mathematicians. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, he was a mathematician, and, you know, they were basically finding the axioms of geometry at this point. You know, things that were true by definition, to reject them involved contradictions. So he thought, hey, if we could find that in the realm of mathematics and in geometry, couldn't we find these, some point of absolute certainty in the realm of human knowledge and upon that point of absolute certainty build all 
other knowledge and find all truth through, through logically deducing from that premise all that that premise entails. And so what he did was he said, I am going to doubt everything. Just as a method, he didn't stop being a professing Christian. But he said, At my method is going to be, I'm going to doubt everything until I find something that I can't doubt. And so he started doubting the world of the senses. Because you could, you know, you could walk into a wall and bump your head on it and say, ow, oh, that hurts. And then wake up and find out you were just dreaming. And your head really doesn't hurt. So senses can deceive us. And you take a pencil, it's straight, but when you put it in water, it looks like it's crooked. Okay? Um, you're driving down the road on a hot day, you think you see a big puddle. You get up, when you finally go down the hill, you get there, there's no puddle. Okay? So the senses often deceive us, so he didn't think he would find it there. Eventually, he just kept doubting and doubting, and then he thought, man, I'm not going to find anything, until he realized the more he doubted, the more convinced he became of the existence of the doubter. Okay? So he reached a point where he said in, in uh, Latin, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. Okay? Um, and so he basically said, the more I doubt, the more I realize the existence of the doubter, the, the, the more I doubt, the more I think, the more I think, the more I know that I, the thinker, exist. So that became his point of absolute certainty. And from that he tried to deduce everything else and, and all. But just the fact that he started that project, he paved the way for what is called today modernism. Modernism is the attempt to find all truth with certainty through unaided human reason. Okay? Now that unaided human reason meant just what Pascal, the warning that Pascal sounded. Pascal lived during the same time. He was a contemporary of this guy. And, and Blaise Pascal didn't even live to be as old as me. He died when he was 39 years old. And when you look at his accomplishments, uh, it's it just amazing. But Pascal, by the way, you want to get a really good book, uh, his Ponces. He was writing his defense of the faith, and then he died. And he had all these disjointed notes. And so after he died, they put it together in a book. It reads like Proverbs, a bunch of one-liners and two-liners. Just fantastic stuff. In fact, if you got my pink book, which was written by my favorite author, me, um, in, the, in the appendixes, one of the appendixes is uh, uh, an overview of Pascal's thought. If you read that and you like it, get his Ponce's. Then you want to go a step further, get Peter Kreef, the Catholic philosopher's uh, Christianity for Modern Pagans. And he, he takes quotes from the Ponce's and applies it to our modern situation. And from Pascal, you can get a real good defense of the Christian faith dealing with postmodernists. But modernism is the attempt to find all truth with certainty through unaided human reason. You could add to that, it's the attempt to solve all our problems through technology. Also, you know, through human reason, through science and philosophy, and we're going to cure this, the common cold, we're going to cure that, we're going to cure this. And little did uh, Descartes know we were also going to invent uh, bombs that could blow the planet up and all kinds of things like that. So it's kind of like every step forward, we seem to take two steps back. But it was a pumped up view of human reason. It was kind of like we got arrogant, got all caught up in the gift, we forgot the gift giver, and all of a sudden we threw God out the window. Now Francis Schaeffer tries to throw uh, 
Thomas Aquinas in the same boat and Aquinas Thomas Aquinas said that uh, there are some things we could know by reason because God gave us human reason and there are some things that we could only know by faith by trusting in God who said it like the doctrine of the Trinity um uh, that we could only know by trusting God, what God has revealed. Now, he argued there's good evidences for the Bible as God's Word, but once we know the Bible is God's Word, we find out a lot of things that we can believe that we would have never arrived at with human reason. And uh, Schaefer and Van Til before him ignore this, this wall in Aquinas' thought. And uh, I thought Aquinas was... Aquinas is actually a lot closer to Augustine. Augustine, through reason we can find out what God has proven through nature, so it's natural revelation. Uh, but through faith we accept what God has supernaturally revealed through the prophets and in His Word. Augustine said, well, they're both revelation, so I'm going to treat them both as, you know, gifts from God and focus on that. Aquinas did not disagree. But what Aquinas said was, just from the human perspective, I want to look at them separately. Through reason we find what God has revealed through nature, and through faith we find truths that God has supernaturally revealed to us. Okay? But Aquinas openly admitted that they both deal with the revelation. If God didn't reveal anything to us, we would know nothing. Okay? So, so Aquinas has got a bad rap in evangelical By the way, Sha I love Schaefer stuff. Gary Habermas was a little, my old professor at Liberty University used to call me a Schaeferite. I'm not really a Schaeferite, but I like what he had to say. And I thought overall his stuff was really good. But, uh, you know, a lot of coins with Aquinas. You better do your homework is what it amounts to. And, and Van Til was the guy who really locked horns with the uh, Aquinas, but uh, whatever the case, I don't know, there's a lot of theological stuff with Aquinas that I didn't agree with, but his philosophy was pretty sound. Although I'm more more Augustinian in my philosophy than Aquinas, and if you're following what I'm saying, you're doing better than me. Okay, um, okay so uh, basically with modernism, if we can find all truth and solve all our pro problems through unaided human reason, then we don't need revelation from God. God became useless. So this led to basically deism, a God that doesn't matter, a God that created the universe and then just split, just left, doesn't perform miracles. And so Thomas, Ed Thomas Edison, Thomas Jefferson uh, started cutting out the miracles of the Bible, the Thomas Jefferson Bible. Um, but deism eventually was like, no, wait a minute. Why do we cling to a God who doesn't make a difference? If he doesn't make a difference, just reject him. Let's become atheists. Okay? And, uh, and so that's, that's really where modernism came from and what modernism is. Now the problem is, as we attempted to find all truth, with certainty and solve all our problems through unaided human reason, modernism miserably failed. Okay? It failed to find absolute truth. 
and solve man's problems. Okay? And that's why modernists used to say, through reason alone, we could find the moral absolutes. Hey, you take God out of the picture, in a godless universe, there are no moral absolutes. Okay? And so once they removed God and said, yeah, I don't need you anymore, God. I got this gift, human reason. All of a sudden, nothing made sense. And every time they thought they were uncovering truth and discovering something to help mankind, they discovered something that could also blow the planet up. Don't get me wrong, I'm not a no-nuker. I want... We're the closest thing on this planet to a free nation, so all I know about nukes is uh, I want us to have uh, more than the other guys got, but uh, it seems like... Uh, Seems like we got leaders who are willing to, to give our stuff away, and that's that's really scary. And but it's also got a lot to do with postmodernism. There's no way to explain political correctness apart from uh, postmodernism. Maybe we'll have time uh, to talk about that, but I doubt it. The way I ramble. Okay. Uh, so postmodernism is a reaction. There's two ways to understand postmodernism. You can understand it as either a rejection, reaction against modernism, okay, a reaction against modernism, or the latest stage in modernism, okay. I'll give you an example. With Christianity, early on, it was viewed as a branch of Judaism, but still part of Judaism. It just they thought their rabbi was the Messiah, and there's good evidence that their rabbi was the Messiah. That's why we're here today, 2,000 years later. Um, but eventually, it was viewed as being separate from Judaism. But even to this day, completed Judaism is Christianity. And I'm not, I'm not saying that the church has replaced physical Israel, the nation of Israel. I do not believe the Bible teaches that. But what I'm saying is, even Jews, if they really did accept their Messiah, that makes them Christians. Regardless of what they, you know, they call themselves Jews for Jesus, completed Jews, Messianic Jews, whatever. Um, so, you know, there may be some people, you know, there's a sense where Christianity is a separate religion from Judaism, but there's also a sense where Christianity is a bunch of Gentiles accepting the fullest manifestation of Judaism and that those who reject the Messiah are actually apostatizing from their own faith. At this point, the program continues on side two.